Please stand by for a special podcast from Two Works For You. And welcome to a very special edition of Beyond the Forecast. This is my favorite podcast of the entire year. Why? Because Steven Strom's joining us. Steven Strom right. from DTN. Steven, welcome back to Beyond the Forecast. Yes, thank you very much for having me back. You know, it's really great to have you. This is incredible technology because we are broadcasting on so many platforms right now. I can't even keep track of it all. Uh, we're Facebook living this podcast. Uh, so we have viewers watching and that are going to be asking questions as well. And uh, so uh, everybody says sweet music. Love that. So I'm going to be popping in with some of their questions about the upcoming winter as we move along here. Uh, but then again, this uh, podcast is always available in your favorite podcast platform. Steven Strom. DTN. How's everything going over in DTN world? Yeah, it's been great. We've actually, you know, I think for the most part, transitioned really well to the whole, you know, sort of exclusively remote digital, you know, everything these days mm -hmm. with, you know, offices being, you know, kind of closed with the social distancing and everything. But uh, yeah, I think it's actually been really great. And it's going to, I think, really help long term as it's really forced technology forward really fast, uh, you know, there's been this, you know, everything, not, not just our company, but other companies, I know they've had to push really hard to, you know, really evolve their technology and, and make some big jumps that sure. maybe would have taken a lot longer. So I think it'll be exciting for the future for kind of progressing a lot of these technologies really fast. Well, Stephen, it's an honor to, again to have you. I can't say that enough because, uh, you know, this is the most listened to podcast of the whole year. So that's why it's exciting to me. All the other ones are awesome. I, I would hope that they continue to listen as well. But uh, this one always get, garners the most interest. I, I'm, you know, Stephen, we talked about last year <laughs> wanting the snowfall and, and maybe being optimistic that we might see the snow. But you know what? Uh, just at a quick glance, I mean, this La Nina strengthening. Uh, you, 2011, we had a wonderful right. winter. Right. Uh, 2000 was incredible as well. It was. It I'm not was. mentioning the other two in the past uh, 20 years because those two didn't produce much. But let's just, I'm being optimistic. I'm looking at the glass half full. So, but you're the expert. Tell me what, what you're thinking about so far La Nina and, and where we're heading. So, so yeah, the, that's kind of the big factor for this winter is the developing La Nina in the equatorial Pacific. And then we're also kind of monitoring what's happening um, both in the northeastern Pacific, where we have a lot of warmth there, as well as back towards Indonesia and actually in the Indian Ocean. Last year, we had this record event in the Indian Ocean, which we think probably helped to strengthen the polar vortex, which is what, you know, basically had that record strong polar vortex last winter, which mm -hmm. kind of bottled up the cold air and really prevented any big, major, long-lasting Arctic outbreaks. And, and that pattern has gone away, luckily, in the Indian Ocean, so we don't have that factor there. Oh. It's actually kind of reversed from what it was. It's actually a little bit more favorable for disrupting the polar vortex in terms of what happens there is you get uh, the warmth there kind of sends some uh, surges of warmth north across the eastern part of Asia up into the Arctic, and that can disrupt the polar vortex. And, and then you get these downstream troughs that can develop across the you know central part of North America. And so... By having that source of warmth and heat there in the ocean by China and the South China Sea and around there and the Eastern Indian Ocean, that can sometimes help us to actually get colder here in the winter. So that's that's a positive factor. If you look at some of the La Niñas that had cold water there versus warm water there, 
the ones where there was more warm water there, like this year, did more times than not uh, produce more cold during the winter. Okay. That doesn't always tie into snowfall for us for living years. They're very up and down here in terms of snowfall. We're actually usually drier than normal during these types of winters, but we have more cold air. So, And it only takes one. I mean, right. And that's, mean, that's our winter here. Yeah. Typically. You look at February, 2011, that one monster storm. Oh, right. I'll never forget that the rest of my life. Uh, I don't think anybody here watching as well will, or listening will forget that storm anytime soon because <laughs> that was our last big snow, right? It was that's yeah, it's been nine, nine years. And then, uh, yeah, those have been the least snowy nine years in Tulsa history uh, on average, you know, if you average it for that nine year period. Yeah. I mean, last winter I was able to take my kids, uh, sledding once. I think we maybe had an yep. inch of snow. I, you know, yeah, that one February event. And we, we took all the snow from our driveway, from the entire cul-de-sac. We actually went to our neighbor's driveways and carted it into our awesome. driveway and built one big pile, built an igloo, carved it out. That's awesome. Lasted for two days. I mean, we had to work hard. I mean, we spent an entire day like gathering snow to get that one inch all piled into one small spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad, but you know what? It's the, the snow brings out the kid. And I think a lot of folks and, and, and everybody's gets so excited when there's that potential. And we just have not had much of a potential over the years. One thing uh, I was talking to Brandon, our meteorologist on the weekends, he's here today. And I was talking to him, we were talking about our schedules coming up for the holiday season and who was going to work what. And last year, I remember working Christmas Eve and being outside and just thinking, this weather is weird. It was 70 degrees that day. It was breezy. It just did not feel like Christmas. And and you said, what kind of attributed to that? We had El Nino going on. Was that in play as well? I noticed you mentioned the polar vortex locked up. Right. Yeah, we had the we had the weak uh, El Nino last winter. Um, and, and that generally a lot of times will tend to be a little bit cooler and wetter across the southern mm-hmm. U.S. when we have that type of regime. And, and we had, you know, a fair amount of rain at times last winter. You know, that nice 40 degree rain that we love here. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. But, but yeah, there, there was a lot more warmth. And, and one thing we've seen in the last 20 years relative to, to the past is that because it's so warm now in the Pacific overall, and, and even in the Gulf and the Atlantic, I mean, everything is just so much warmer than it used to be uh, in terms of the ocean patterns, that anytime we do see a flow of air off the Pacific or the Gulf during the winter season, the air coming off that water is automatically four or five degrees warmer than what it used to be, say, 30, 40 years ago, um, because the water is warmer. Right. And, and so... When we have a flow out of the Arctic, the cold air is just as cold as it was 40 years ago. There's no change there at all. I mean, the, the cold the cold waves are just as intense, you know, and, and the cold winters are just as intense. But anytime we have a warm regime, that warm regime has gotten a lot warmer than what it used to be. And so we have, you know, we've had this persistent really warm water off the West Coast. And that, you know, when we get that zonal flow and the flow off the Pacific, that water is just warming the air up before it even gets to the U.S. And then, you know, so those warm patterns are just a lot warmer now than what we've had. Something go right to the point. Do you think we'll see snow this winter, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think so. You know, historically, we talked about this a bit, that there's a lot of up and down with La Nina years. Again, it tends to be dry, but you have the cold. And so we've seen some real winters, and we've seen some pretty dud winter, winters as well. Um, mostly, though, not, I mean, all the years that have been similar have, I think 2017, 18 was kind of a La Nina-like pattern like this, and we only had like two inches of snow. But all the other winters that were, you know, similar La Nina's all had a lot more snow than the last nine years have had. (laughs) 
not always above normal. In fact, only, you know, maybe 40% were, were, were real snowy like that 2010-11 winter. But, but yeah, a lot of them tend to average, you know, six, eight, nine inches, somewhere in that range. Which is, then you have a couple... Yeah, you know, a couple well, of those big winters like we had in 2010-11 or 2000-2001. Yes, um, 2000. And yeah. uh, in, in strangely, I'll never. that's another one event I'll never forget. Their computer right. models predicted that Arctic blast in the beginning of December like 10 days out. Right, It, it was right. amazing. I don't think our computer models have ever done that well since. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was an extraordinarily well-predicted winter as a whole. I mean, every, I mean, from October on, I mean, we like our forecast for November, December, January, everything was like, probably the best it's ever verified. I mean, the patterns just in general were, were really well forecast that winter. We just had this very highly amplified pattern that kind of just stuck in place and then there wasn't a lot of variability in there. And so it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a notable winter. We had certainly some extraordinarily persistent cold that winter. And, and that, that the, the, we didn't have, you know, we, I think we had like 14, 15 inches of snow, but it, a lot of it came in December, mm-hmm. but it stuck around for like a month. We had yeah. snow on the ground all the way, you know, from the middle of December from that first big snow you know, all the way through the first, I don't know, 10 days of January that just didn't go away. So that was, you know, that was highly unusual for here. Love your memory. It lasted longer than February of 2011. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love your memory because the December 2000, that broke the the longest stretch of snow on the ground in Tulsa, Tulsa International or National Weather Service Tulsa. So that, that was really remarkable. And I just remember driving and going, this stuff's never going to leave the the ground, you know? Well, you know, I'm from Chicago. And, and oh, so yeah. that was my, that was like a real, you know, it's similar to that because we had not just the persistent snow, but we actually froze the ground. And that's really unusual here to actually build a frost layer in the ground that goes down more than a few inches. And we actually froze like the top foot or so of soil that winter. Wow. Um, and, and so we had that, we had a period there when everything melted where we still had ice in the ground and then all the snow melted. And so everything was like super muddy and, you know, kind of typical of what you see in the upper Midwest in the spring when everything melts, but the ground's still frozen and everything turns to slop for a week. Yes. Yeah. And the ponds were frozen as well. Right. We saw that, you know, with that record coal in 2011 as well. Um, You know, when we got down to what negative, what was it? Negative 30. What was 30, 32, I think around some of those, we were at minus 12 in Tulsa, but yeah, there was, it was in the minus 32, four range, somewhere like that. And, that was interesting. Wada and Bartlesville, yeah, that was impressive. I, but yeah, that was because we had two feet of snow on the ground. I mean, if that same air mass without snow was maybe lucky to produce even a temperature below zero. Yeah, but even that's remarkable, you oh, know, for, sure, for, sure. for us. And but it was I remember what two weeks later we're in the seventies or sixties. Right. It, it was it was unbelievable. Because I remember a friend came in town and I told him last week we had a blizzard. <laughs> He's like, Yeah, right, because everybody's out running and uh, you know, enjoying nice weather. It, it's just Oklahoma fun. You know, that that's what I love about this state. I, I love winter. I I that's that kid in, in heart of me. And my kids love snow, so I want to enjoy that with them. So I, so I bring you on here. Hopefully you just, you know, lie to me and tell me it's going to snow, <laughs> which, which I know you're the expert. So I appreciate that greatly. Let's swing real quick into the Gulf and the uh, Atlantic. Incredibly active. What we go back to 2005, 2006, last time we've, we might have to go into the Greek alphabet. Right. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're going to blow through the Greek alphabet. I mean, in a major way this year, we're, we're already at 20 named storms, you know, and we only have, uh, it Wilfred left only one letter left before which, we start the Greek letters, which could be alpha, this beta, weekend, right? You know, alpha, gamma, so, yeah. And and we have that, and that that'll uh, we'll see which one becomes 
that storm first because we have the one in the Gulf and then the one in the Eastern Atlantic. Sure. Um, so we'll, we'll get that here in the next day or two, and then and then yeah, it's on to the Greek letters. And, and, and we're like a month faster than 2005 in terms of wow. getting there. Wow. Was was Katrina 2005? Was that that? It year? was. Okay. Yeah. So is there ever any correlation between a more active tropical season and the winter following? It's it's uh it's not great in the Atlantic. Uh, when we have a very active Western Pacific season, a lot of times we'll see more big cold waves, at least uh, in November and December. Interesting. Um, and how's the Pacific? You know, I don't even look over. It's, it's been pretty average, not really that notable. Um, so, so we'll see. But what happens in the fall is you'll get a, a big, you know, a typhoon that you know goes up the east coast of like China or Japan or whatever, and then heads up into towards Siberia and recurs. And that dislodges, you know, basically sends all that warmth up into the Bering Sea and then dislodges cold air, which comes down. Sure. And you'll, you'll see that, and, and the, you know, it stays warm out there, and the, and the typhoons keep going all the way into December, typically. And so those years that produce a lot of storms in November and December out there, each one of those oftentimes produces a cold wave that comes along with it, if it, if it does recurve and not just, like, go straight west into, like, you know, south, Southeast Asia or whatever. But uh, but in the, in the Atlantic, it's... it's, it's uh, you know, when we have all these storms, we're, put, we're putting a lot of heat into the atmosphere that is all getting, you know, sent northward and towards the Arctic, and, and it can kind of help warm that area. And, and it's really mixed, though, in terms of the signal. We've had, uh, like, years like 95 were extremely active. That was, like, the one of the, the, the most active uh, seasons we've seen before 2005, and that was a very cold, snowy winter across the eastern U.S., you know. But then 2005, we had, a, you know, we had a cold December that year. And then January was like record warm, and then we had a colder February, and so it ended up being kind of a more average winter. So it's it's kind of more mixed with the Atlantic Basin, um, partly because things quiet down a lot faster. You know, usually by November things are really quieting down. We might get a few more storms, uh, but it, everything kind of dies down before we get into the cold season. Whereas you know the Pacific storms keep going all the way into the early part of winter, so they have more influence. So I'm a weather snob, and I want my weather when I want it, which is funny. Uh, I love cold Decembers. After Christmas, it can just go. I don't. It can go right to summer for all I care, because you know it's that season, and you want the right. cold and the yeah, snow. It's, it's, then January is like, ah, oh, you know, let's get this over with. <laughs> but needlessly say, the next couple of weeks look really dry in our area, mm-hmm. which would be right. which would be kind of like a La Nina year. I mean, it seems like it's like an early preview of that. Um, it is. Do do you see any changes though? I mean, this this weather pattern is boring, and I say that not because people will go, "Oh, boring's good," because now you jinxed it. I'm not. It's not that. It's just it really is just boring in our area. There's nothing going on. Is there going to change? Yeah. We. It's possible. I mean, not in the near future, but um, we have seen a lot of these years that have turned, you know, more interesting around middle of October or so where we've seen the pattern amplify and, and we'll start turning colder across the eastern half of the U.S. You know, kind of more, kind of like what we had, like last week, we have a, a more highly amplified pattern, you know, western ridge and warmth there and eastern cold. And then you get, you know, some systems coming through and gets a little more, uh, get some bigger cyclones and stuff that develop. Um, so we'll see if that happens, if that happens this year. The years that have seen that pattern develop in the middle of October continue on have also tended to see the early cold winters where you had a lot, it basically just stayed right down through December and just amplified and you had a lot of cold in December. So if you had a lot of cold in the middle or basically second half of the fall, like second half of October into November, typically you had a cold December. Okay. And then oftentimes, you know, in general, a cold winter, uh, the years where it stayed warm all the way through November, typically 
didn't have a lot of cold during the winter either here across the U.S., at least not not in the southern half by us. So what we need to be rooting for is a cold Halloween and a cold beginning to November, right? Yeah, the, 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 the big thing is just that you see notable cold waves in October and November, not that it necessarily has to be cold the whole time sure. or cold maybe that much on average, but, but just that you have a couple big notable cold events happen during that time period. And then typically if that does happen uh, in these types of regimes, you'll usually see those patterns repeat in December into January. And those obviously are going to be far more extreme at that time when they happen again. So, but if you don't see, you know, any kind of real big amplification in the pattern during the fall, a lot of times you don't see a lot in the first half of winter either with a Nino like this. Maybe, maybe you'll see a cold February and March, but not, you know, if you're wanting the cold December kind of pattern, then a lot of times you don't get that. Interesting. These are all great pieces of information, Stephen. I know you got to go. So I want to thank you so much. Uh, maybe in a couple of months we can catch up and kind of get that final uh, forecast out from you. Right. And, and yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, with La Nina's like this, you know, it's, it's always developing rising ahead into winter. And so you don't really know how strong it's going to be. Right. A really, a really strong La Nina is typically very warm for the U.S. It just, I mean, you have a really cold Canada and a really warm U.S. typically. It's just you just have a really strong jet stream and you don't get a lot of cold air that comes as far south. Um, so if you have the kind of the weak to moderate La Nina, you tend to have Canada cold, but also you get those big periodic dumps of cold into the southern half of the U.S. as everything comes down every so often. Um, and, and, and the La Nina years do t- typically produce the biggest cold waves, like the, in terms of intensity. You don't typically get, you know, sub-zero cold when you have an El Nino. It's actually extraordinarily rare to have that here in Oklahoma. But a lot of the cold waves that have produced sub-zero cold in Oklahoma have happened during La Nina winters, even ones that were not always cold overall. You might have a warm winter and then one massive cold wave that lasts for 10 days and it's warm again. Yeah, and everybody remembers that versus the the whole winter. Those big sub-zero cold waves a lot of times uh, tend to be focused in these types types of winters. So that wouldn't be a surprise if we had one of those. Last question for you. Have you, in my career, I have not. So I want to see if in your career, have you ever seen the Climate Prediction Center issue the potential for a colder than normal winter? I have, but it's been a long time. <laughs> I know I in, in 2000, they they came out warm, but then they quickly changed. They, tr- they turned cold, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, it's so rare. I can't remember the last time that happened. I mean, it's not been in recent years, but um yeah. I mean, I only maybe, maybe I can't remember what year it was, but maybe like remember it happening once or twice in my career, like going back to like the middle nineties. I mean, it's been, it's been very, very infrequent. <laughs> that's, that's astonishing to me. It truly is. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave you at that. Stephen, thank you so much. DTN, go check them, uh, go check out DTN. You've got the radar scope app uh, and many other wonderful weather, uh, you know, for businesses and whatnot with DTN. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun.